Good day. Good day. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. Just wait for a few people to come on. Nice to see you all. It's been um, been a busy week. I'm trying to think what have I done. I've actually achieved. Um, it's been all right. It's been productive. It's been all right. We've got some really good guests coming up. We've got uh, Gary Craig and Dale Thompson, Tomlinson. Forgive me, Dale. Um, and uh, basically talking about um, this uh, app, which will help with um, uh, PTSD and welfare, that side of things. And it's all about uh, prevention as well as cure. And we're going to learn a little bit more about that. Um, but obviously, looking on the side of the policing side of things, with the suicide level as it is and the stress involved with police officers, I think that's really, really going to be relevant. So it's going to be a good chat, good chat with that. I've spoken to the, um, to the guys first time today and um, it's, it's really, it's excellent. So um, I see that it's interesting. I'm using a different camera for that. So let me just check my, uh, I'm going to just change the camera on this if I can. And then you'll see, there we go. It's all a bit brighter. It's all a bit brighter now. So welcome, everyone. You can really see the grey now. I like that. That's all right. Embrace it. Embrace it. You can see my lovely little floral pictures on the wall, my peach wallpaper, uh, as uh, I'm living this beautiful part of the country. What I will, down in, down in Cornwall, before we move on to that, I'll just go through a bit of what's been going on so far. And this is on my Twitter side of things. You can follow me on EX underscore ARV underscore SGT, which is a catchy title. I know it's basically ex-ARV sergeant. Um, and uh, yes, you can get the uh, get the books, Farms and Fatals, which because I was on armed response and I was on uh, traffic side of things, dealing with road death or the cheerful subjects. Um, and that's where we'll be talking about very shortly. I want to see, I want to show you this thing. Has anyone seen this? Let's let's put this on. Um identify yourself. Uh, and where are you based? So I'm hoping you I'm can in. hear this. Right. Uh, Is it part of the police's policy to sit there and stare out members of the public? Who do you think you are? All you've done is eyeballing the same time to have to watch your uniform on and get an ego boost. Who do you think you are? We'll I'm a taxpayer. You're here to, to save this. me, mate. Alright, so explain yourself. You was eyeballing you. I was, I was fucking rubbing neck of you. And you were still looking. Listen, mate, I'm not your average member of the public. You can sit there and smirk all you want, mate. There'll be a nice area. letter before claim for you. Explain yourself. Well, explain yourself. You... No, you wait. You were looking tired. He goes on like that. And it, it just is... Um... This is what police officers are having to put up with. They have had in the past, but they, because of cameras now, one step out of place, one word out of place, then he is in a whole host of problems. Um, so he's saying, he's probably thinking a thousand miles an hour. I personally would have, I think I'd have looked, I'd say, okay, okay, where's the camera? Come on, this is a comedy show, isn't it? Is this a comedy show? Is this, is this not a comedy show? And I would laugh. I think I'd laugh, put the window up and just driven off very slowly. Uh, I think because you can't, this guy, it is so frustrating that you do get individuals like this and they and uh, they get a YouTube channel perhaps and they try to wind this officers up, but good for this officer for the, how he reacted on that. Um, just doesn't give it any, any, any tone. It just basically says, hmm, yes, right, okay, all right, that side of things. Devon and Cornwall, recruiting. Okay, 
40 grand. I was surprised at that. 40 grand per year within seven years. It's going to be a tough seven years, that, mind you, whilst you reach that. So well-deserved once you get there. So um, go go for that. Uh, I still had a, an armed response officer who was on less money than when he was um, earning as a PCSO. And he was five years as a PC, as an armed response officer on shifts and things like that. That's not saying PCSOs are overpaid. That is saying that the initial years of policing is freaking tough on wages and all sorts. I like this. I like this. I don't know if it will come up. My Wi-Fi is going a bit slow at the moment, but we'll just pop this on and see if it works. But... Getting the attention. Stop making me laugh, guys. Stop when dealing with animals. Is, uh, <laughs> Throw one leg out. I mean, they will ridicule you, your friends. Thank you to Nick Knowles. Uh, he, he is, I consider him a friend of mine now. I think he's, uh, I talk to him quite regularly and he doesn't shout at me back. So that's quite nice. Um, really supporting. Um, and it was National Police Patrol Week, I think it was. Um, so good for him. He was giving a bit of support and City of London police were appreciating it. So Nick Knowles, what a, what a top guy, mainly because he sticks his head above the parapet and actually supports police when it's not necessarily the cool thing to do, when other people in his position might wish to just turn, uh, you know, just not get involved in that side of things. So I think he really needs... You know, a round of applause for him. Um, Rose, thank you, Rose. I will let you know how the book is going in a minute because you are going to see a half-naked photograph of me. Well, it's not. It's bit of shoulders, bare shoulders, you know. Uh, I wouldn't, though I wouldn't, I wouldn't submit to you to any of that. I wanted to let you know about this one. Lot of scam calls. I had three yesterday coming from, <clears throat> uh, as you probably wear, a lot of you, I am... Uh, main carer for my mum at the moment has got dementia. Uh, <clears throat> she's a beautiful, very easy lady to look after, but she's, yeah, she's got vascular dementia. So I'm very, very fortunate with her. And I, I say I live on the Cornish coast here with me. So the, the biggest downfall about this is peach wallpaper and floral curtains. But apart from that, it's it's okay. It's okay. The other stuff's fine. But so she was receiving a call. I was a bit bored yesterday. I'd just come in and I had written a bit more of my book in town and uh, I'd had a couple of coffees and I was pretty hot, came here, walked along the beach. This is my commute, right? Walked back along the, the, the beaches at low tide. Um, Dale, you're you're in Northumbria, I believe. You're, uh, so it's a lot colder in Newcastle and, and all that stuff in there. So he's, he's in the green room down below. Um, it's actually beautiful beaches up there, actually. Uh, <clears throat> came back here one I'd already had a dodgy call earlier and so what I was doing I said I put this tweet out saying three calls so far today to my elderly mother's landline from fictitious Amazon employees trying to access computers so they have access to passwords and bank details I've enjoyed wasting their time um, this number here I was able to put up because they do grab people's numbers uh, that one was this this phone number is not receiving incoming calls I always Google the phone number, first of all, to see if the whole number comes up with anything, just to make sure I'm not going to be phoning them back and having a massive bill. Um, and and then I reported it to Amazon the usual way. Uh, and earlier today, I told the person I was turning on my laptop as directed, but it would take a couple of minutes and then left the phone open whilst um, whilst I left, a left town because I was 
fortunate enough, I've got an, a carer for five hours on the weekday. So don't feel too sorry for me that we've brought in, had to do privately, because you know how the system is at the moment, <laughs> really much on our own. Lots of people who want to help, were, but just unable to. It's just not the staff or the finances. So, uh, yeah, so basically tend to say, oh, yeah, really? Is that right? Okay, well, I'll fire up my laptop and I'll just put it on the windowsill, stick it in the room, and then I'll go make a cup of tea. And then hopefully that just uses a little bit of the time. Um, and then uh, one of them, then I did come back and say, you really need to go and contribute to society a bit and be an honest person and don't, don't waste your horrible life like this because you're doing a horrible stuff to people. And then um, they uh, uh, they rang back and said that I was a effing B and then slammed the phone down on me. <laughs> of, which, of which I felt, yes, I've pissed one off. Um <laughs> Now, this this has nothing to do with policing. This, I've, because I'm a nosy bugger and I'm looking at all my mum's uh, paperwork, her, her photographs. Uh, I found one with me, uh, me and my, um, uh, you know, is, is I found one with uh, is lots of photographs I didn't really know exist. This is a love letter, basically, from the Barclay, my dad. Um, we never had loads and loads of money. I think my dad used to have, and then <laughs> a couple of divorces and all that. Um, and then, so he's in Knightsbridge in the Barclay and says, my darling, from this pri from this princely abode, I send that much of my love that can cling to this page. The bulk has perforce, I had to look up the word perforce, and it means necessity or in inevitability. So, sorry, the talk has perforce to stay with me here entrapped in luxury yet sparkling and vital for you alone. Uh, a kiss for the children and for, and my life for you, abiento. So stick that on a text and send it to your missus and see what happens. Things have changed, hasn't it? <laughs> hasn't it somewhat? It's a shame in a way, isn't it? The letters were great. Um, and to answer your previous question, thank you very much. I'll go through a couple of those questions in a minute. Stephanie, I know. When is Dave coming back? Stephanie, I don't know at the moment. Um, it's complicated. It's ongoing at things at the moment, but he he is uh, going to be away for a few weeks, I'm afraid. Um, but he's fine. All right. I promise you he's fine. Um, this is the usual cafe. Find a cafe in town. Um, get a coffee on my business accounts. See what the accountant says later. Uh, write another 1,500, 2,000 words there. Um, and that is of the Cornish Scoop. And that is Cornish Scoop Part 2, because that is Cornish Scoop Part 1. Ta-da! And it's basically, for all those that don't know, Cornish Scoop Part 1 and uh, 2 is basically my character has moved into Newquay. And so it's Cornwall policing in the early 90s. And um, very, by coincidence, it was sort of the same age as me at the time and doing the sort of policing that I knew. So um, it just spiced up a bit in places as well. So um, hopefully it's a lot of fun. The Corner Scoop part one, I don't know what I'm going to call part two yet. It might be part two. Um, yeah, it's got 4.7 out of five in Amazon. And I see Farms of Fatal has sold over 11,000 of these things now. Uh, Self-publisher, doing better than a lot of the published ones actually. But 
that's a yeah, eleven thousand of those buggers. And that's only a mere four point six out of five. So the Cornish scoop's better. There you go. Um, here we go. I needed to show you this. This is phenomenal. Look at that. Manchester Bee Monument. Um, and if you look closely, so this is basically getting all the weapons that were seized in Manchester um, to spread the word that basically violence isn't the answer. And if you look at the legs, you see these telescopic sights, rifles, all these knives, silencers, guns. What a formidable beast that looks. I'm hoping it's as big as it looks as it is. It's probably the size of a matchbox, but no, it isn't. I, I think it's huge. Um, impressive. Then I did a bit of Radio Devon. Uh, that went to BBC Radio Devon, talked to Fitz. Fitz, journalist there, he, I know him. He's a presenter, rather, lovely guy. And he said, Harry, do you fancy coming to do... I do tend to do a chat every three months with him about... You tend to share an hour with another guest, but he had me in. He said, do you fancy coming on Thursday? Uh, we've got space. I said, yeah, what are we talking about? He goes, I don't know. And I went, sure. <laughs> so, so the freedom. Uh, I had to get to Plymouth, turn around, and then after the show and come back. Because <clears throat> um, limited times with the care I've got here. These guys, PTSD, can't praise these enough. I bumped into these. I have to say, this is why you don't feel sorry for me. Uh, I got up in the morning, sorted mum's breakfast out, made sure everything was fine. Open the door, barefoot, walk 20 metres up the road to Lusty Glaze Beach with my cup of tea. And I met these fine people here. Um, so this is Op Surfwell, and they help anyone in emergency services. Um, they're not the prettiest bunch. Um, I had to improve the picture there somewhat. Uh, there's a bit of prettiness there, I guess. And his hair's nice. But anyway, uh, but he's these guys, ex-former um, armed response officers, um, See, most of them were and things. Um, and one of them was a paramedic before he was in the police. This one here. Um, top, top guys. And basically, they're running this thing where just to get people, uh, emergency services, away from all the stress, where they're struggling a little bit, they need a bit of time out. Um, and so they're able to uh, take a bit of time uh, with this. Just do something in nature with the elements and learn the basics on just how to surf. So this is an extract from a letter they were sent and they were asked, they asked permission if we could put this on a tweet. This is just a small part. And it said, in the extreme, you have saved my life. On a professional level, you have given Norfolk back an officer who is now positive, looking forward to many years ahead and equipped to help peers. Norfolk police participant, 8th of June, very recently. Um, and that <clears throat> it's just, Absolutely a wonderful thing. Nick Knowles came down to Bude. I asked him to come down. He, he said to me afterwards, uh, just to promote it a little bit, he said to me afterwards, uh, Harry, I was just going to stay there an hour. And he was there five hours in the end. Probably enjoyed it. Um, and here we go. I think, I think there is. And then said naked picture, there you go, but you'll be distracted by the dog. That is just nipped down to Lusty Glaze Beat. It is 20 meters. So, don't feel sorry for me. Um, this is a beautiful part, even though it is pretty much looking like storm force winds and rain out there at the moment. But this was literally a couple of days ago, well, a few days ago. Yesterday was the hottest day <coughs> for a while. But I think that's less about me, more about what we're here for. Quickly look through the questions. 
Um, yeah, fantastic sculpture. Thank you, Mick. Um, <laughs> I know, are you referring to uh, me photobombing Arthur, uh, my border, more border terrier Jack Russell Cross? Um, yes, thank you very much. They are. All emergency services are amazing. They need every support they can. Even, even the fire service, amazing. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I know a lot of fire service. So uh, through my learn to live side of things. Um, but actually, if you look at my tweet on scam calls, if uh, there's some really good advice on there, um, especially if you have elderly parents and you're worried that they're going to get roped into these, because it only takes one, doesn't it? Um, there's some really good links. Uh, you can get phones that automatically block these things. There's you can do things which struggle for if someone's living with parents as well, because what it will do is block. It, it will only accept numbers that are identified. Well, sometimes if you're you you need numbers that are there's a lot of companies and agencies that ring you that aren't identified, so that can cut those off as well. So it's not always the answer, but you can get phones that can do do that. Uh, and that's but look on the thread on that. And there's also some good. <laughs> Some some good revenge tactics some people have put on themselves. How to get back at these people. Right. I think let's get back. Funny enough, my mobile phone just rang with a uh, uh, private number came up. Um, thank you. Yeah, Rose, it is, isn't it? Beautiful. Uh, my dad was a writer, actually, um, and certainly gift. I sort of stumbled my way through with words thrashing about like a mad thing and he just delicately danced through it i think um so uh i'm going to welcome because we're going to talk about um an incredible uh uh app called thrive it's all about mental health i've got gary and dale here i'm going to bring them on welcome gary and welcome Hello. dale can you hear me yes yeah loud and clear Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, thank you so much for coming uh, on here and telling us a little bit more about what you're involved in. Um, first of all, I'm just going to start off with just a very quick your your background, Gary. You're in the um, you're in the PSNI, the uh, the Police Service of Northern Ireland, as an inspector, aren't you? And, yes. and how long have you been in the police there? Um, Eighteen years now. Uh, Eighteen years, and that's that's quite. I mean, we look from Britain and we go right. Okay, well, we think it's quite dodgy here sometimes and then we look at you guys over there just getting on with it <laughs> <Do we think? laughs> so we think especially me and Devon and Cornwall I thought you know I do sort of live up to the um, reputation of saying well you know occasionally people swear down here but that's about it you know <laughs> so um uh, Dale and what's your background what do you what do you do so yeah I work full-time for Thrive uh, Mental Wellbeing which is how I how I met Gary, which I think we're going to discuss in a bit more detail later. My background is mostly in social impact and community work, and that's what brought me into Thrive, and I said brought me into working with, with Gary as well. Brilliant. Okay, thank you, Dale. So, Gary, how did this all start? You're in the police. You're an inspector. Where has your route gone then to get you to where you are with organising this app with uh, Dale and a few others? Well, it was a route that I didn't expect. Um, we're, we're all very aware of in 2012 when Nicola and Fiona were murdered in Manchester. 
And at the time, the police, the outpouring of support for police at the time was phenomenal, but it never seemed to last. And then yeah. it was the next, next incident and the police bashing started again. And basically, with Thimbley Line UK, we set up to try and highlight some of the stories that uh, the police do, the bravery that police exhibit on a daily basis. And so it basically highlight um, and allow the public to show support for us. I, I don't know if anything more for that, but um, a lot of people seemed to buy into it and we had a lot of support with uh, designing uh, some badges and stuff like that there, which we raised a bit of money for cops and police care. Um, and it just seemed to develop from that. More, more people got in touch with me um, asking uh, if they could help us in any way and we then developed a line of clothing. Um, you've already had a chance to speak to Andrea. One of our uh, trustees, Andrea Clinton, superintendent up in GM. Yeah, she's amazing. She actually, you can blame her because she's the one who said you really need to speak to Gary. And uh, yeah, work, <laughs> said, you might have to persuade him because he's not, um, you don't, you're not too comfortable with Catalan's coming. You, but you're brilliant with how I've been speaking to you, babe. Um, so it's her she, to blame. Yeah, no, no, she wrote, she wrote this. Um, it was it was after the murder of an old police officer, um, Dave Phillips in Liverpool. Yeah. And she wrote this amazing letter um and it it still has the powerful impact it had today but we we published that for and it went around the world and it really highlighted the work that police do and it's not just the small snippets of film you see on youtube that's edited to show a certain narrative it's it's the intimate details of what police officers face on a daily basis and as you well know Harry, what we face on a daily basis is not normal and one of the things we we really do a lot is normalize it in our head when when it's as far from normal as you can get sometimes but um in the last few years we, we had organized a few fundraising balls and we had a lot of support from uh people in america and a lot of companies here in the uk and the money coming in was just we needed to do something with that so we formed a charity um, and what we've tried to focus in down on now is raising awareness in and around mental health for police officers because we're, we're not very good at it. Um, the very no. nature of our role is um, you just get on with it. You know, you're a police officer, you're, you're expecting nearly to be abused and assaulted at work and uh, spat on and just all these things that once you leave the yeah. station gates, you're meant to leave it all behind and go home to your family. And sometimes your, your, your partners will, will get the brunt of that whenever you'll come home maybe after a particularly heavy day and you're just maybe not in the mood for the children. I know a lot of people have this imaginary coat hanger as they go in the door where they hang their troubles up and they go yeah. and see their children and they see their wife and family and pick it all up again on the way out. But that's... It's very true. And I, and, and this, <laughs> this is what, not what you're advocating, but as you're saying this, I'm going to shove a little bit of you because this is another way to cope. But it's not the way to cope because <laughs> <laughs> I do apologise. But I have got I couldn't miss that opportunity. <laughs> that gin is freaking gorgeous. I mean, yeah. seriously, it's the best gin. There's two that I'd really go for. And <laughs> sorry, Dale, I couldn't resist it. Well, I'm into trouble for this sort of thing. But uh, do you know what? It is amazing gin. So I reckon. It. And could you just explain with the um, thin blue line? They can get that there. But you, there's like ten quid goes to the yeah. Uh, the guy again. This all started with um, with a, a very lovely gentleman helping us in uh, 
Scotland, and uh, he had made initial inquiries. And the guy Robert W was from the very start. And uh, the guy that runs it is Alan Walker. He's an ex-police officer. And police yeah. officer. He went off on PSD, and this was his avenue. He decided he was up one day to the gin and decided he could do that better. And he has. And he has. He has. That gin has sold over five or six hundred bottles, given the charity nearly five or six thousand pounds. Um, so it's been a phenomenal success. And I, I'm slightly biased, yes, but it is a very good gin, and I would recommend it to anybody. Are you a gin drinker, Dale? Are you drinking? Not particularly. No, I have to be honest. <laughs> okay. uh, he, did he think, mind, you, though, by all means. Gary, do you, do you think he was thinking, shall I lie? No, I can't. That floats your boat in any way. <laughs> when we finally meet in person, Gary, maybe I'll have a go. <laughs> this is it. Well, we'll, have, we'll have a bottle of whiskey there on standby just in case, okay? <laughs> or is that not the case either? But no, no it was. It was <laughs> so I do so I apologize for that. So you've done, so it's actually, you've got some money from it. And then, then there was this, this silly thing that people are, I, I've got a flag that I put on the back with thin blue line on that. And it, it's been true. People have tried to hijack it. Oh, no, they didn't try to hijack it, but people were getting confused or they wanted to stir up a little bit of anti-police and they said, it's a right-wing thing. No, it isn't. It's the thin blue line. It's there for a very good reason. It's supporting charities and it really shouldn't be forgotten like that, should it? This, well, I, I think the whole idea behind that there, and we would be quite um, adamant about this, that that there too, a police officer, represents one very important thing and it's part of the family that we are when you join the police you become part of an extended family and that there signifies that to us it's it's the thin blue line we're all standing on it um unfortunately it, it's getting thinner and it just puts additional pressure onto the officers that are remaining and that that it's as simple as that there, there's no ulterior message behind that it's a simple representation no. of of the police family um and, and I'm, yeah. i proudly wore mine on my arv um as, as, and luckily, our chief constable Sean Sawyer, that we're he's retiring now, and what a phenomenal chief constable he was, real people person. And I think Devon and Cornwall people assume, you know, because I play to the stereotype that it's nothing, you know, it's all fields and nothing really happens, and people just swear occasionally. But of course, we've got county lines, we've got the motorway. Where, whereas um, Avon and Somerset could say, on you go, carry on, carry on. But definitely cool, we've got nowhere to put them. <laughs> they get to Penzance. We can't get rid of them, you know. So, you know, you can imagine if they're in a, you know, we're, we're just monitoring these these bad guys. We haven't really got the resources, but we'll just monitor them. Oh, they're into Devon. What a shame. I'm not saying that happens, Avon Somerset, but I wouldn't blame you if you did. <laughs> so so that's, that's the, but so the stress I was speaking to an officer recently, very, literally last week, and he said, Harry, you wouldn't believe it. The numbers that we're on at this location is this, the workload is massive. It's the stress is you just got less, fewer people in a more rural area covering a larger area um, with the with the same, same issue. So the stress is humongous. So then you decided, okay, so we're going to make, use of this money and we're going to do something constructive and get this this app going um how did you get um dale how how did you get involved with gary on this then where did it start <clears throat> absolutely yeah so i think gary worked with a member of our team called jenny um in in working out you know exploring how we can support um thin blue line so we are we're a healthcare company first and foremost but we operate through tech and um, thrive 
therapeutic software as it as it was uh, as it as it was known was founded in 2012 by a consultant psychiatrist and consultant clinical psychologist. Um, they recognised that I guess the national conversation around around mental health was more towards firefighting and putting out fires that are already lit rather than the resilience building, catching symptoms early and stopping people from suffering for longer than they need to. And they recognize that with the rising use of smartphones, I mean, we're going back to 2012 here where a lot of people had them, but it was still sort of uncharted yeah. territory a little bit. And they recognized there was an opportunity with, with technology to, to get the latest psychological tools and techniques to people to help people get access to, to therapy by, and taking away stigmas, you know, cultural stigmas, demographic stigmas of accessing mental health support. And so I think with the way that we've built ourselves as an organization being impact-led and the brilliant research and work we've already done with various police forces and other organizations, including the police treatment centers, I think we stood in really good ground for, for Gary to, to come in and, and talk to us about how we can support his service users and the wider policing family in terms of that that support we have within our within our tool that we've created so and and where did your where did it start with you then because were you involved with sort of youth cancer charity or something like that yeah so before i worked at thrive i've I've always been involved in social impact that's sort of been my i I did a degree in accounting and finance and hated more or less every minute of it i have to say um, I was yeah. just going to say, why weren't you an insurance broker or something? Why did you get, how did you end up where you were? You know, you then go, yeah. well, I did an accountancy degree. <laughs> yeah, people are surprised when I say that because, it yeah, it's not really in my uh, um, personality, yeah. I don't think. What the hell yeah, went right? Every, well, <laughs> it's a good question. I, I hated every minute of it and until my last year at university when I started studying corporate social responsibility when I started studying sort of the, the impact side of business and that's what took me towards sort of youth focused services and, and charity and charity industry. And I saw an opportunity with Thrive about 18 months ago and mental health psychology is something I've been interested in a long time. While I was sat hating my degree, my wife was doing a psychology degree and being completely honest, I actually would sneak into her lectures sometimes and she'd be playing Sims and I would be sat there taking notes. <laughs> And so, <laughs> and so from that, I've always had an interest in psychology and mental health and this opportunity to be a part of an organization which is impact focused that, you know, our, our goal is to reach as many people and we have around 4 million people around the world who have access to our services. Um, it just, it felt like a dream come true really being able to work in that sphere in something which has affected my own life as well um, and being able to, to do good and support people like like the police and the wider public services family as well is uh yeah i couldn't say no to that opportunity really oh i mean so phenomenal then so you've got that i mean it's a bit, i've always said it, it's a bit like policing where you actually i've always wondered what it is to go to a job where you are supplying well just those idiots who are scamming they found themselves there for various reasons and they've probably got lots of very sad stories and ex- you know, excuses for being there, but they've ended up there. And at the end of their life, they think, well, what have I achieved apart from absolutely ruining other people's lives? Um, and it's actually, I thought it, I've always described it as a privilege to do something policing or Dale, what you're doing, because you think, God, you know what? I think even, <clears throat> even without trying too hard, you can have an effect on somebody. 
And Absolutely. people say, well, what's the, what's the best job you've had in the police? And I, yeah, you know, I've really shot people. I've tackled armed robbers and stuff like that. But the best job is going to the little old lady. Yeah. You know, it's the best job. You see the smile on her face and her world is no longer ended. It is. There's Gary smiling. He knows that feeling, <laughs> even though he's an inspector. And most of those are heartless people. But <laughs> no, <laughs> sorry. This is where he goes, gone. He's gone. But it, it's true. So I think it's really privileged to, to be in those sorts of occupations. Um, Absolutely. And, but, and being able to work. So one of my primary focuses at Thrive is supporting police. Uh, we, we work with a number of organizations, a couple of police forces, as well as, as police treatment centers. And so being able to see the, the huge impact we're having there, challenging some of the stigmas, challenging some of the structural slash cultural associations that people might have with yeah. mental health or the unwillingness to talk about it for various reasons, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, it's been one of the privileges of my of my career, really, and being able to support the police and, and help you know uproot some of those issues, challenge them and help people get to a healthier place with their mental health. Well, we're going to go into the police treatment centres in a minute because Gary's very near one at the moment. Because he's actually he's actually in one at the moment. So uh, and I literally well thirty year career and I I had a, a, a knee injury that I did whilst holding a uh, a coffee and a coat and some very kind officer opened the sliding door of the hire van which was a brand new one so I didn't know the step automatically comes out and down so I tripped over said step went into the van with a hot cup of coffee which I tried to save and then basically coated the inside of this uh, brand new hire van um, and several officers with scolding hot coffee whilst completely stuffing my knee. Um, but Flint House, which was the the, the police treatment um, centre that we had down down south, is, uh, was brilliant. And I've got to say, in two weeks, they sorted it. And I'd had, I'd struggled along with it for four months, five months. And somebody said, you should do this Flint house. I went, I've never thought of it actually. Um, and they, and I got in literally just before COVID happened and a month or two months before I was uh, due to retire. But we're going to go on to that second. I just want to bring the app up though. We, or what is on that at the moment? So can you sort of explain between yourselves, really? Um, first of all, what can you just remind us what CBT um, is and Absolutely. sort of go roughly how the app, what, what it supplies? Absolutely. Yeah. So CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, it's the most clinically validated and most widely used form of therapy in the UK. It's been around for 60 plus years. Um, and we built the core of our app really around CBT because the skills that you learn from doing the CBT course that we've designed, which rather than a traditional setting of CBT, which would be, you know, an hour long session with a practitioner after a, a three or four month waiting list, I would be caveat with as well. Um, what we designed was bite sized sessions that you can dip into as and when you, as and when you please, it becomes a part of your self care routine. And the idea being that not only do you learn how to challenge harmful assumptions and negative thoughts as they arise in the moment, but also that you learn for the future so that you build your personal resilience against the onset of mental health and mental illness, but as well as get some treatment as and when you need it within that computerized CBT program. We also have a number of other tools within the app, such as um, intervention tools for things like panic and anxiety and stress, 
Um, we have a number of mindfulness tools as well. But what I think really sets the app apart, and I think from our, our discussions, Gary, in terms of what, what the rationale behind bringing Thrive in was, is that we have a NHS approval, first of all, but also a clear care pathway for individuals through NHS approved assessments, which can open access to live therapy with a real therapist at the other end of the line, um, unlimited therapy to help people recover, you know, get the support until they're recovered, as well as other signposting and support as well. Brilliant. And the, the crucial thing you said is bite-sized things. People don't want to do a degree and Absolutely. they don't all sometimes have the, the time and availability, but they want to have something that is simple, easy to navigate. And I noticed uh, in some of the wording, it says you'll find a little padlock on something because you just need to navigate yourself through other bits first. Absolutely, and then that yeah. will open that area for for them. Um, of course, yeah, this... as, as I said, there's a, there's a, a clear pathway yeah. we've set and we're not just, we didn't just come to this game because we were interested in apps. Uh, our co-founders are a mm. clinical psychiatrist and a clinical consultant, uh, and a consultant clinical psychologist. And so they right. they have a, an understanding of, of what works and how to bring people into these care pathways in a way which is as easy for them as possible to utilize. With the idea being that, you know, you might go into the app and the description of your mood might be a four letter word. I, I learned that from working with the police. That there's a lot of four letter words that are used when you ask around well-being. And yeah. as, as great as it is that you recognize that that's what you're feeling, that doesn't unlock the door to clinical support because that can mean a lot of things. It can be that your knee's hurting. It can be your shoulder's hurting. It can be that that's how you're feeling emotionally. And so what we do is we, we give people this bite-sized content, these access to these quick but very, very um, effective and clinically validated assessment tools where someone can go into the app and within a few minutes, they can have an assessment of, of the symptoms they're experiencing. So they've gone from this, I feel for that word, whatever it might be. Mm. So at the end, actually, you have you potentially have the symptoms of severe anxiety. And so here's now what we do. We, one of our therapists will reach out to them within 10 minutes of that initial assessment and we'll start that pathway to recovery with a, with a descriptor of their symptoms, with someone there who's ready to make, help them make sense of it and can start that, that path to support in a completely anonymous, confidential space without the perhaps some of the stigmas that might that we've touched on might exist um within yeah. sort of more especially male dominated workplaces like yeah medicine. no exactly um and i think i got the feeling that things were changing that people were much more open about talking about something and being found in possession of this app would not be frowned upon in the slightest in the police anymore that that would have been gone um i even had officers who we totally respected in the collision investigation side of things i was uh, you know a, a, an investigator for fatals for an awful long time and i was very concerned that the next one could be the one i felt absolutely fine i had my own mechanism luck rather than judgment perhaps um but i wasn't I wasn't being blasé about it. I thought the next one could be the the, the little tricky one that got yeah. me because I see people I wholly respected and thought would never be bitten by it. And then suddenly, oh, where have they gone? Oh, they, they've gone off. Um, they, they just need to, you know, a bit of stress. They need to uh, recover a bit of time for themselves a bit because, you know, the workload is piling on as well. Now, Gary mentioned that, that we were very sort of, quite poor at dealing there are processes in mainly we've taken trim from the military and that side of things 
we always learn from wars and things with our first aid and our uh, <coughs> uh, trim and that side of things. But there was this part here, Gary, that you see that I see prevention and mindfulness techniques is prevention is just so important, isn't it? Um, with the police, how do you think there is, a, do you think we're getting better at that or are we just waiting until we're broken? I do think uh, I, I get a wee bit of an insight around the forces um, with people getting in touch with us through through the page, and obviously speaking from my own force, we are getting better at it. We're absolutely getting better at it with the with the big trigger incidents. Um, um, and we don't need to mention what they are, but those are the sort of incidents where you know that supervisors need to be switched on. Um, the PSNI has brought in a peer support network. Um, if it's a particularly traumatic incident, they will have peer support officers down before the end of duty. And I know a lot of my officers, whenever I suggested this, would have been a bit blasé about it and, and sort of said, look, just go along to it. Let me know what you think. Um, and they did. And it gives them an opportunity for, for everybody who was at that incident to have a little discussion around it. And maybe answer some questions that had been going on in somebody else's head. And it means that they're going home with a bit of a debrief, with a bit of a hot debrief, and they can maybe not dwell on it as much. But what we need to do, and one of the, one of the things I found is that as a supervisor, um, you know, one of the things we need to do within the police is start to look out for each other. And we, we do that response is a fairly tightly knitted uh, environment because you're, you're at people all day, you're backing each other up on high intensity calls. And your supervisor and inspector and so on is deeply embedded within that or should be. Um, and it's about building a culture there that where you know your team and you can then see the slight differences in some team members. Maybe they're not as attentive towards the work. Maybe they're more withdrawn. Maybe they're not engaging as much. And it's about you then as a supervisor caring enough to look into what may be the reason for that. Have they been to a certain number of suicides, for example, or have they been to a certain number of fatals? Is there, is there, is there something working on them? And it's then about having that conversation. And we're all very good at going, how are you? Um, and we're all, if we're all honest with each other, expect the answer, I'm grand, thanks for asking. Mm. But it's maybe just asking that question again, going for a coffee. And then the other side of the things I, I find is that whenever you ask that question and somebody turns around and goes, well, I say, no, I'm not. You're then like a deer caught in the headlights because you're not trained. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no, you're yeah. up to you and you either immediately try and fix it or you immediately try and... Mm panic a little bit because you don't know what the correct response is to help that person and you, you maybe fob them off with OXW or Inspire or some counselling service. And fob's not the right word but it's you thinking that you're doing the right thing and maybe not pointing them on towards onward help. Um, and one of the, the big reasons that we like this app is because as you as you know Harry and um, as Dale with working with police forces that whenever we have this image in our heads that we have to just get on with things and we are very reluctant to say do you know what i'm actually sitting here i need help yeah um and that sometimes can have unintended consequences because you've, you've been open and honest with your supervisor um they know that you're struggling with mental health and then there's it's not like a broken arm you can see a broken arm you can't see what's inside somebody's head and you then treat them differently whether you like it or not you, you, you react differently to them you, you try and protect them a wee bit and then maybe just that will 
reinforce some of the feelings. Now, I, 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 I'm up at the police treatment centres at the minute um, for neck and shoulder injury, but I would have trouble sleeping. So when the, the nurse, you check in with the nurse whenever you're here. And the one thing with the police treatment centres is they genuinely care about the officers here. Yeah. And they look at you and they, they really put you on the spot and go, well, why are you not sleeping? Are you all right? And that's an uncomfortable conversation because you have to maybe yourself that you're not willing to do. And I appreciate how difficult it is for somebody to say they need help, which is why the app's so good. Because the only person that they need to admit that they need help with is to themselves. Nobody else needs to know about it. Um, you're coming back in from a bad call. You can go into a toilet. You can go into the car. You can load up the app. You can do your five minutes of CBT. And if things are really bad, there's somebody there on the end of the phone to help you. And that, that's the one fantastic thing about it. And I know we haven't been live that long with it, but I was speaking to Dale last week in relation to some some how the response has been to the app. And it's been really positive. You know, there's people getting in touch that maybe wouldn't have said to the supervisor they need help, but this is an option that they, they can go into. And they're responding to it. They're they're accepting the onward pathways to help. They're they're talking to the therapist and they're showing signs of recovery. And maybe those officers would never have been reached by any other mechanism. So it's just another option for people to, you know, and I'd say to anybody who sees us uh, or uh, knows anything about us at all, if, if you're struggling at all, or you know somebody who's struggling, get in touch. We'll give you access to the app. And that's all we need to know about it. How, how is it? So how is it finance stuff? Do the force have to sign up to it? Um, well, there's some forces have taken it on board. Um, some forces have uh, other means of helping people with mental health. But one of the reasons we took it on is because, although I'm a, an inspector in PSNI, I, this is completely separate to my job. This is to do with the charity. And we, we have a reach across the whole of the UK. Um, we're not tied into any police force. Um, what we're trying to do is just to give police officers another option that they may not feel comfortable with raising it through their own forces for whatever negative thought that puts in their head whether it's warranted or not if it's if that's what they think they're going to open up to their superior officer it's going to cause some sort of issues down the line yeah. going to yeah. they don't need to worry about that with with this app and, that, and that's yeah because it's it's always been difficult an armed response and uh, pierce and i can imagine you carrying a firearm the officers are thinking, well, if I just say I need some time out because, you know, we we made it certainly in our force that if you just wanted to say, no one would question you if you just say, do, do you mind if I, I just I don't want to carry it at the moment? I'm going through a divorce. I'm I'm going through this, whatever. Um, but of course, mental health was a big stigma to the extent that I think, well, what if they chuck me off the department because the force, what? Well, whatever force and you could sort of understand if they got into a shooting and then it went in the inquests where there's you know six months of minute investigation by the best barristers for three seconds of decision making and oh oh officer did you not uh da, 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 are you sure your decision making was up to scratch it could cause a huge problem it's a difficult balancing act isn't it but we've got better to make things to make it look like, okay, look, mental health, this happens to everyone. It doesn't mean you're crazy. It doesn't mean you're going to come back and make bad decisions. Mm -hmm. with, with the firearms rule, you, you will maybe sometimes get an overabundance of caution, especially if the stress word is mentioned or mental health is mentioned, because 
you know, the easiest way to mitigate risk is to take the firearm off. But then that immediately sets them apart from other officers. And if they, for example, they have to go back and ask yeah. or whatever the case may be. And that, that's a big step for somebody to take because that's that's their whole being. That's when they go to work, that's what they do. Um, so it's all about, uh, and a lot of it's all about understanding why the person's stressed, um, you know, like why they're going off work. Is it because of stress at home? Is it a domestic family issue? Is it a money issue? Or is it something you're having thoughts you maybe shouldn't be having or you don't want to have? And it's about understanding that and just to try and get people to accept the help. I'd rather somebody, you know, came, came to us if they had no other method of doing it than yeah. the alternative. And absolutely, and building on that as well, our therapists are well aware of support systems that are available to police. And it's all about, while we will treat and support and aid that recovery, it's all about encouraging them to make those steps if they need to at work as well to, to well, first of all, if you want reasonable adjustments to be made, then you need to let work know kind of thing. And so our therapists are very great at empowering people to make that choice when they're when their help is happening, when they don't feel like, it can be often be the case that you take that first step and you're in the unknown, but actually we facilitate it so that they're not in the unknown, they're getting treatment and the steps steps are then taken to facilitate that recovery even better. And so, yeah, we're all about supporting and empowering individuals to take that step, to get the help and then helping them make sure that the help works for them really. And so um, that, you know, we, we can facilitate any, any concerns they have about speaking to people at work. We can, we can help reassure them. And we can talk them through whatever the steps that, that they are and coaching them through that as well. And what we see is that on the back of the app being anonymous and confidential at the outset, our help-seeking behaviour levels, especially within police, are really, really high. Typically in the country, if, if the assumption is made based on data which, which has been collected by the Office for National Statistics and the NHS and other organisations, yeah. anywhere between one in four and one in six people currently living in the UK are experiencing a mental health issue in some form, whether it's a chronic mental health issue or it's a short-term mm. issue in response to whatever they're experiencing. Yeah. And yeah. the help-seeking rate of that overall proportion, which is a huge, you're talking 10, over 10 million people, it sits yeah. somewhere probably around 15%, if not lower. Whereas within the Thrive app, and especially within police forces and blue light services, we see help-seeking behaviour sat at around nine in every 10 so out of every 10 people, nine will seek and accept help, um, which is phenomenal because that is that's keeping people in work. It's helping people recover. Not, I mean, we know how stretched police are in terms of, um, you know, of covering the role that you do and cuts over the past few years as well. And so being able to exactly to, to keep people in work, help them be present yeah. in work and anytime they have to be off shortened to ensure that, you know, we're we're really supporting that individual and hopefully helping the police and keeping people in their jobs, not feeling the need. Because I mean, you've probably all seen yeah. the report by the Federation and by Mind in terms of the role that mental health is playing in decision to leave policing, and they want to help that wherever we can really and keep people in a job which isn't just a job, right? I mean, this isn't just a job. This is a way of life. This is a it, it, it's a it's not just a career. It's it, it goes a bit deeper than that, doesn't it? Yeah. Totally that. And people say, well, you know, some people say, well, why did you just leave? 
Why did you just leave? Because we want to fix it. That's mm-hmm. why. Yeah. We want to fix what's wrong. Ian has uh, asked a really uh, good question here. Would Thrive share the number of unique users to the force that the app is being used for? Interested for management to see the severity of the mental well-being in their workforce. Um, obviously, it would be generic and just inf- information. Yes. Um, and that goes on the bounce on that side of things, where you're saying reducing absenteeism and and presenteeism. <laughs> um, I'll, you know, I've, I, I, when I was just tripping off the things that I was going through recently, people were going, my God, you've been through hell, you know, and yet one of the people who helped me, Noor from Northumbria, is a wonderful person, woman who I've known for a couple of years. And it takes someone like that to actually say, you're, you're going a whole load of shite here and you need to, you know, you need to perhaps do this, 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 this. Now, I actually, this is, I mean, this is the funny thing. I then, for the first time, and I thought, yeah, I'll do that. I was going to have a bit of, check out a bit of therapy, went on there to say, right, you know, because I just wanted to just, you know, you're quite isolated when you're going through a divorce, looking after your mum. And there was other work things I'd been doing, which was incredible pressure where things are going off, you've got no control over, and these horrible things are being said about you and people are believing them. And and you're just thinking, I'm going to keep my dignity, my composure. You laugh it off, but it's going ting, 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 ting. And so I wrote and I said, uh, I filled in the form and I never heard anything back from them. <laughs> I thought it was a good job. I wasn't just about to do myself in. And it was terrible. So, <laughs> But this is something where your app would certainly not have happened. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's having someone there, having someone instantly there. And then suddenly, like for me with Noor, it's like someone gave a shite <laughs> and they were it just needs someone else to say, OK, have you considered this? And this yeah. is what's happening, that this is normal and so on. Um, and your um, the the I called the convalescence homes. It's a terrible word, but uh, the police treatment centers, isn't it? That you're at, Gary. Yep. I know they they do phenomenal jobs as well. And. I just know how much they did for me physically, but also suddenly I was nine to five. I was having regular meals. I was speaking to officers from different forces of different ranks of different departments, and it didn't matter. It didn't matter who everyone was. That, it was just reset, wasn't it? And, and that's, that's what, 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 funny enough, the word my wife used was you're going here, you're going for two weeks, use it as a reset, get yourself sorted out again. And the, 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 there's, there's two aspects to the police treatment centers uh, care. There's obviously the physical side where you have physiotherapy, you have exercise programs, you have uh, building up your strength, but there's also the well-being side of things and police treatment centers. Uh, and I'm going to drop a few other charities here. Police Care UK have teamed up. Um, police Care UK, Brilliant work with Combined and spent over, I think it's a million and a half pounds in Harrogate and Ochterrader and really developed their well-being and mental health side of treatment. And there's there's officers coming from all over the country to, to get that reason, to speak to somebody who genuinely cares about you. And, you know, and uh, the, the one thing that you'll know if you've spoken to anybody or any police officer that's listening in is it's all very good getting that two weeks reset but you need a bit of self-discipline when you come out the other end because it's very easy just to get back into that way of life and life's too busy to do five minutes exercise you know you'd be still on your phone for five minutes well, why not use that for something that's actually going to help you and i'm, I'm saying that to myself as, a, as much as everybody else 
Yeah. Well, some people don't. Because I was, I was just saying to you, I was the right SWAT, and they, all the exercises they told me to do, I religiously did. And I, I thought after four months, my knee was just going to be one of those things. It's just not going to fix. Um, and after two weeks, I couldn't believe it. And it was all about, and they explained it, it's all about building the muscles around the ligaments and tendons, and therefore it gives them time to recover. Because at the moment, you know, your skinny legs, <laughs> it's not, you know, but it's bringing strength into it. And and the fact that there's about, there was five or six people that, it was five people that we all met up in Brighton again from that location. Uh, a detective inspector from Wales, a PC from Wales who moved to the Met. Crazy. Uh, the <laughs> sorry, sorry, Matt. <laughs> a PC from the Met. Um, there was a, somebody who was in Special Branch uh, from the Met as well, who was a, a DC, you know, who's moved out. A, a real mixed match of people. And we just went to Brighton, stayed in one of our, the, the flats there and and had a few beers and a few meals. And it was just brilliant. So you have these lifelong friends from these places, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think you just described something which is really interesting to me as my, my mind occasionally does uh, kick into gear. Um, not, bad, talking... not bad for an accountant, eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're talking Sorry, about, you know, you're, you're giving certain exercises to help build that muscle back up to strength around the ligaments and everything. And often with physical health, we, we see that, you know, you can't escape a limp, right? If you were limping around the office, Gary, if you one of your colleagues were limping around the office, you'd say, what, what are you doing? Let's go get your legs sorted. Come on, you can't, you've been limping for, for weeks. But with yeah. mental health, often we try and, because it's not as visible, it's we often talk ourselves out of, out of getting treatment, even though treatment takes exactly the same course as what you described. It's around building resilience. It's about building yeah. your mental muscles and about building up that, that ability to deal with the stress in the same way as you're building your muscles up. But we often, we've, we've drawn this hard line between mental health and physical health. And actually, it's the same approach to fixing them both. It's just one perhaps feels a bit more tangible. Yeah. And, and that's brilliant about the Thrive app is that you've got those exercises like you, like you discussed. The Thrive app will set you goals each day, which are just take a couple of minutes, but there's those, those exercises to build the mental muscles that you need to be able to deal with the stress mm. and, and the other things you're experiencing. And so it's brilliant that, yeah, you've got that analogy of, of the physical health. And, and I know police treatment centers do some excellent well-being and mental health work as well now. But within the Thrive app, we, we have that same style of facility. It's the same it's the same principles, and it's just applied perhaps in a more self-led way. But as you said, once you left the police treatment center, that, that was down to discipline after that point. Yeah. You've got someone there around holding your hand a little bit, but then when you leave, it's about that consistency. And the more consistent you are with the Thrive app, the, the, the higher the recovery rate you'll experience, yeah. the quicker recovery you'll yeah. have in exactly the same way as with your knee. Yeah, brilliant, brilliantly answered. and. The data, going back to what Ian's question was, actually, because I think I waffled on and took over it, but <laughs> the um, the actual data from that, you obviously have to collect sort of generic data so you can improve the app and see where things to go and improve. Do you think it would be quite useful to have that information generally? Yeah, absolutely. You know? So what, what we do capture within the Thrive app, I would add that everything within the Thrive app is anonymous. So you sign up, we don't ask for your name your date of birth, anything like that. Okay. All you need is an email address right. to sign up. But what we are able to capture is recovery rates. We're able to capture severity. And so we're able to capture and essentially prove to ourselves that what we're doing actually works, right? That that mm. Thin, Blind UK, uh, Thin Blue Line UK and bringing about this, this partnership, that actually it's useful to Thin, Blind, Thin Blue Line UK that they can 
see that well this is something that has come in which is useful we can see that recovery is happening we can see help seeking behavior off the back and so the data which we are able to capture is is capturing those recoveries is capturing severity and the prevalence of mental health issues but all grouped anonymized so that i can't log on and find out that john smith yeah. in the met is experiencing x y and z but actually it's sure. it's all about ensuring that what we're doing actually works and we can always capture that evidence and challenge ourselves to be better and so in terms of the forces we work with we're able to to help them know that recoveries are happening how many people are using the app the data we provide is generic but it allows people to see the recovery rates and that we Deal. actually work Deal. From, from, i know what the when i was at the police treatment centers and i heard about this app on some of the other information that's fed back as you say it is all anonymous but some of the triggers of what's actually causing the issues in the first place and whether that um, supervisor uh, whether that workload whether it's fitness uh, level for an infection 100%. it all sort of helps get for the forces that have signed up to it i think it helps give them an insight as to maybe why maybe not the number who they are but why their mental health problems are starting to originate and be caused within the force yeah. and gives them an idea of how to, to do their work and to try and address that Gentlemen, we're out of time, but I'm going to end on the, my favourite picture of all, and it is because people can still buy this, can't they? Oh, they absolutely <laughs> yes. And I reckon it was Father's Day coming out. You need to get in there quick, even if it's a, uh, you know, a late one or whatever, because um, seriously, it is beautiful gin. It's lovely. It tastes absolutely gorgeous. This is actually my photograph over Lusty Days Beach, which is 20, 20 metres up the road. Sorry, did I say that? Sorry. So anyway, it is absolutely brilliant. There's uh, lots of people very, uh, very impressed and things like this um, with it was, that hour flew by. I told you it would go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell everyone. I said, I said, yes, yeah, so it's going to be an hour. He went, an hour? He said, I thought it was going to be 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> There's no time for 10 minutes. Uh, no, it was really good to hear it. probably talk more to you, Harry, and I never thought I would say that. But I, I, I do want to thank you um, on behalf of the charity for giving us this opportunity to, to, to get the message out there and to hopefully somebody will hear it and it will help them. Brilliant. It's an absolute pleasure. If I could just ask you to just stay behind for a little bit as we uh, close everything down. I just have a couple of minutes with you at the end. That'd be fantastic. Thank you ever so much. Thanks, everyone, for supporting this and uh, staying on. Just spread the word on this one. This is a cracking one, isn't it? And uh, we need to get this information out to as many people as possible. So retweet and all sorts and shout about it, guys. All right. Um, thank you all. Uh, it's been emotional. Let's do something next week, shall we? Cheers. Cheers.